This is the Creator Smarts podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following into a profitable, future-proof education business that you control without being at the mercy of sponsors or algorithm changes. Each week we interview the world's leading creators to find out what strategies they use to diversify, stabilize and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan and you are listening to episode 116 of the Creator Smarts podcast. Now most of the time we interview YouTube creators, more specifically um, creators in online education you know, on the podcast, right? But every now and then we also talk to other players and thought leaders in the industry. Um, maybe you remember episode 108 where we interviewed the CEO of Night Media, Reed Dutcher, uh, also known as Mr. Beast Manager. But more recently, I discovered Hugo Amsalem. And Hugo used to work for one of the biggest companies in Europe that run accelerator programs for startups. And not long ago, he partnered up with a company called Jallysmack. And now they are running their own uh, accelerator program for creators. Um, so Hugo has a blog. He also has a podcast. Um, he's a quite well-known person in the Creator Smarts industry or I wish sorry not the greatest not the creator industry and uh, he studies the industry all the time non-stop and are not many people who can talk better or who know more about the creator industry than um, than Hugo and guess what he decided to join us today um, so we're gonna have a very interesting conversation it's a long this is gonna be a long episode it's over one hour and 15 minutes, I think. Um, but we are going really deep today. And if you are a creator, then this, you know, all the things that you hear might, we're not really going to share any practical advice, I guess, but we're really going to show you the bigger picture and the future of the creator economy and all the opportunities that come with that. So this is definitely going to be very interesting. Um, uh, for well, for most people, I guess, for most of your listeners, I really enjoyed this interview. You can hear that. So, some of the things that we're going to talk about today: um, what creators should consider, or what kind of creators should consider to join accelerator programs or take on investment. Uh, why creator businesses can st- can scale quickly, and why this is only the beginning. Why, in the future, creators will be able to grow and to scale much faster. Um, the four steps to turn your audience into an empire and why the creator economy is going to change everything from the way we learn, from who we buy, from what we buy, and it will even influence the elections. Yes. So, are you ready? Let's get started. Here is my interview with Hugo. Hey Hugo, welcome to the Creator Smarts podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do. Yeah, I mean, Jan, thank you very much uh, for, for inviting me. Uh, I, I had the chance to listen to a few uh, of your podcast episodes, and, and I really liked it, especially the one with Reed uh, from Night Media, obviously. Um, in, a, in a nutshell, uh, I'm, uh, I'm fascinated uh, with the creator economy, but it's initially I started the music business. Uh, that's where you know, I started like, to get... Uh, um, sort of like this love from you know uh, for like empowering the individual because you know we didn't have any YouTubers uh, 10 20, 20 years ago but we had musical artists and and we also had the music industry and so that's where I started my career um, trying to help uh, artists succeed I then uh, left to actually build 
uh, tool for artists so they can succeed by themselves without the labels, which is which was a crowdfunding platform. Mm-hmm. And then I switched um, I switched over to the to the startup world uh, by being part of the um, of a company uh, that basically was the Y Combinator of Europe. Uh, it's a company called The Family, which yeah. essentially provided startup founders, early stage startup founders, uh, with a lot of the tools, the resources, the education, the network that they needed to actually succeed uh, in the best conditions possible. And for seven years, I did that, help the European tech ecosystem to sort of like emerge. And I realized at the end of my time uh, at that company that everything that I saw happening in the startup world, you know, like this this sophistication of the ecosystem as a whole, this professionalization, uh, this customization of the ecosystem for the startup specifically, all of that, I, I thought that this was, this was going to happen for the, you know, like in the, in the creator world. For the simplest reason uh, is that, you know, uh, startups and creators are the two kids of Internet. And so I started, you know, writing about about the, the topic, uh, explaining my thesis and sharing it in public, obviously. And this resonated, uh, this resonated with a lot of people on Twitter, on, on a lot of places. Um, and so I got in touch with, uh, with a few people like that. One of them was the founder of Jelly Smack, which, which has, I'm going to obviously talk about uh, um, later on. And at that time, I really wanted to build uh, a creator accelerator, just the same way that I had built a startup accelerator. Yeah. And essentially convinced me to do it at JSMAC. And so here I am. That's what I do in a nutshell. That's what I did. Uh, yeah. for, the, for the past 15 years. Mm-hmm. So, so talk a little bit about those accelerator programs. What exactly do people learn? What exactly do they get in those, uh, in those programs? First, you used to run these, um, these programs with the family, right, in, uh, based yeah. in the UK. And now you are doing this for um, under Jelly Smack, if I'm not mistaken. What exactly is an accelerator program? How does it work? So... Historically, the, the, I mean, the first accelerator program uh, is obviously catered, catered to, uh, towards startups. Uh, it's Y Combinator. It's a three months program um, in California, in, in the Valley, where now close to 200 uh, teams um, are basically surrounded, one, by other peers. So, you know, and that's one of the big value of, of an accelerator in general. Is that when you're surrounded by crazy people, you don't think you're crazy anymore, you know? And and a lot of the the startup founders at the beginning, you know, uh, they're they're a little bit like the creators. They're usually coming, you know. I mean, they could come from anywhere in the world, so there's a big chance that they actually come from a small town in the U.S. or in France or in, in Netherlands, and and they might be or feel in their school, in their town, like a little bit like an outcast. Like, why do you? care so much about that computer thing like why why do you why do you learn you know how to write code in, in uh, uh, when you're 13 uh, why do you create uh, videos after videos that suck when you're 15 etc and so the big value the first big value of an accelerator is just to bring those people and put them together so like okay, you know what I, I'm not crazy actually so instead of like having their level of ambition uh, be slowly eaten away by the surroundings that those like that surrounding can be toxic it's the other way around. So that's that's one of the big the big value. The second value, obviously, uh, is intensity. Um, when you when you put like a, a sort of like a timeline of, of three months to actually achieve um, the most, then you obviously like put uh, those individuals, uh, those startup founders, those creators, 
whatever in in the super intense mode and and the output uh, is crispier the output um is a bit more uh, uh tangible mm. and and obviously the the third thing i believe is that you're protecting them or or you're you're basically bringing leverage to them uh through through network through education through tools through resources because when you're a creator when you're a startup founder uh you're usually alone and there's not much of a leverage that you can get alone right so if you yeah. if you're a part of, of, of something uh, bigger than yourself uh, you can be protected and, and have some leverage some group force right and so i think that the first accelerator program uh, um, in the world for startups was uh, white combinator in 2005 six and then basically the model you know sort of like uh, expanded all over the world and now it's it's a basic standard yeah. of the ecosystem and in the creator world it hasn't happened yet and i think it's uh, it's bound to happen yeah, so those companies that run the accelerator programs, they basically they facilitate networking, um, tools, guidance, um, and then on top, in return, they they take equity in, in, in the companies that they're working with? Is that how it works? Yeah, for, for startup, and that's, that's a big conversation, and I can talk about that for a long time, but startup... Uh, accelerator take usually like five to ten to ten percent uh, of startup equity, and obviously because um, the upside for startup investment is infinite. You know, you can have a billion dollar company now. You know, like Facebook just reached a billion, like a trillion. So that's that's even cooler than what used to be cool. Um, and so obviously, like they can take a lot of bets, uh, and they invest like you know in between one hundred and one hundred fifty k for five to ten percent of a company. A lot of them are not going to amount to nothing, but a few of them are just going to. Go big, and basically, um, this is the way that you that you finance a whole new asset class uh, by this risk uh, mechanism. Actually, making sense uh, at the end of the day economically. For the for the creator world, it's a bit more tricky, um, and and that's why like uh, um, I'm I'm currently writing an article about like how to invest uh, in creators, and there's there are like a lot of different options. But the problem is that a creator organization is not valued at a tech multiple, which essentially means that the valuation of tech startups is decoupling from the simple revenue that they're generating because they yeah. have like gross upside that is almost infinite. Yeah. For creator world, like in the creator world right now, the only way that we are trying to value a creator financially is, is like as a cash flow business. And yeah. so it can only value three or four X maximum uh, the yearly revenue. Yeah, and so right now there's a big, you know, sort of like a, a struggle in the creator world as to like how can we finance the early stage, super ambitious young creators if we don't know how we can exit or how we can make those value like those creator being valued at like incredible multiples, even if we sense intuitively that a creator is not just a media entity that generates advertisement uh, like advertising cash flows. Yeah. But add that the, the creator is an entity, a social entity that scales beyond just the media ad revenue. And that could create CPG empires, could create educational empires, et cetera, et cetera, which are inherently more scalable. But we're in between. And right now, this is the struggle that we're in because we don't know how to name that beast. And so that's why I was trying since the beginning when I started to talk about the creators, I was trying to like be super crisp as to what a creator is to sort of like have a better scope of what the creator opportunity is ultimately. Yeah. So 
what is the big opportunity f- for creators? Um, you know, you said you also listened to the podcast with, with Reed Dutcher, the founder of Night Media. What, what do you think is the opportunity for, let's say, a starting, a starting YouTuber? What have you already seen happening in the industry? I mean, there are a lot of things. At the end of the day, like to, to go back to the, to the basics, um, the, the, I was saying the, the startups and, uh, and creators are, are the two kids of internet. Uh, when I mean two kids of internet, is that internet basically, um, uh, you know, like created this world that I call the post-permission world, the world where you don't need to ask permission, you know, like all the, the leverage that you could have access to was permission. You needed to ask for someone's permission to access that leverage, whether it's people uh, leverage, you needed the banks to give you money to hire people, whether it's uh, technology leverage, you needed banks to give you money to actually build a factory, et cetera, et cetera. But now the most amazing leverage that internet created, which are code and media, are permissionless. Essentially, you can take a MacBook, use like uh, the internet to learn how to use tools, and then you're, you're, you're able as an individual to scale yourself in the, like uh, infinitely. The, the first big sort of like phenomenon uh, that is the, the, the direct, uh, you know, sort of like a... Um, the direct result of that is, is the is the startup world. Like you have uh, engineers writing codes with just like a laptop, and basically next thing you know, they're building billion-dollar empires. Um, we've theorized that because it's been already 20 years that this phenomenon has started, and right now the same phenomenon is arising at the individual level with the creators not leveraging code but leveraging media, which like code has zero marginal scope for production, which creates like this amazing. Uh, effect. Right now, what's what's essentially happening um, is that we are still thinking about the creators as only like people creating uh, views online with YouTube, Facebook, yeah. TikTok, etc. Yeah. But more like increasingly, those creators now have access to an infinite number of tools built by startup founders, yeah. we call that the creator economy, yeah. to actually scale themselves beyond just the views that they yeah. created uh, online to then build like super lean organizations, but that has an incredible leverage. And that's why like for me, you know, like just the millions of, of subscribers uh, that, you know, Mr. Beast has, etc., is something to, to celebrate, but it's just the beginning of the story. Yeah. Then... All of those, all of those uh, creators, and that's something that you know uh, is is an infinite uh, discussion topic. All of those creators have access to tools, services, and even more importantly, now they have access to scalable team as a service. So their organization can stay super lean. You know, like the Mr. Beast media organization is not so big, but they have access to teams as a service yeah. on the merch, on on the on the game development. On the on the video syndication, like what we do at Jelly Smack, uh, on on the uh, educational platform, that are basically scaling the organization, multiplying the revenue by 10, 20, maybe sometimes 100x, without the organization of a creator yeah. being big, you know, which yeah. is something that is really new in terms of organizational structure of uh, of entrepreneurship. Yeah. So let, let's give a few examples then for our listeners. I mean, we work with lots of people who are in online education, right? So maybe there we can think about software like Teachable, for example, right? Kajabi, like platforms where you can upload courses. You don't need to hire any developers anymore who develop the entire platforms for you. There are existing platforms out there that you can now just pay for a relatively low fee every month. 
and you can scale your business well potentially you know you can make quite easily 10 times more with selling online courses than just yep. your adsense revenue so that's one example i listened to your podcast you did an interview with um the ceo of uh, of teespring right they do merchandise yeah. um they, have, they work with like what 400 and over 400,000 creators so whereas first as a creator you had to well go out and design your own merchandise i guess now you can just go there and they have a platform they have in-house people that can help you with the designs they can i guess you also do the distribution yeah. um can you give a few more examples of of um of yeah, companies so that creators can work with in order to to, to scale their business so like in I will absolutely give uh, some examples, but you know what you're saying, like uh, with Teachable and all of those things, is sort of like the, the V1, um, mm-hmm. where startup founders are thinking about creators as sort of like SMBs, and they're like, oh, SMBs need new SaaS solutions so they can like digitalize their their processes, and so they're like, oh, let's build this for creators. This is absolutely needed, and there's a lot of space for a lot of those SaaS tools. But what I was mentioning is that right now we're going towards like the V2, where those startups have understood intuitively that one, the creator world is absolutely unfair. And so you have like a super small number of creators which are gonna go super big and they're gonna go big in six months to a year. And so we cannot just like build SaaS for them, wait for them to grow and then like build enterprise-like <laughs> features for them because they go big in six months to a year. Yeah. So those companies on the V2 are increasingly trying to cater for the fat tail of creators. They're like, you know what, we're not going to do a SaaS play where like the creator uh, are using this thing. One, because, you know, again, they can, they can become big fast, but also because they just don't have time. Like their big bottleneck is scaling themselves as like, you know, the time uh, uh, bottleneck, but also like they don't want to hire a team. They're not yet massively educated as to become like uh, a, CEO. a company. Hey, like a CEO, exactly. And so the V2 is what uh, Spring is going to, uh, towards and other companies are, are going towards, is basically a tech-enabled service. Not like a self-serve SaaS solution that creators can just drag and drop and do yeah. everything, mm-hmm. but basically a, a SaaS, like a tech-enabled uh, agency almost that scales beyond the agency, which is gonna build technology for their own usage, right? And which is going to hire account manager enabled by those uh, solutions in order to be able to cater for the for the creators need. And really concretely, what does that mean? Yeah, it means that the best future merch empires are not necessarily going to be only like a SaaS solution that any creator can use, but also like uh, um, like a, a, the extension of a team of a merch team yeah. for the creators where creators are not going to use like they're going to call their account manager and be like okay I want this that 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 and boom the, the, the account manager uh, uh, behind the scenes yeah. is going to be enabled by tech to, to do like a way better job and also to be way more scalable and so the cost structure can stay leaner than like an agency model and, and the scale the ultimate scale level can be bigger yeah. examples that you have like that are Pietra, uh, um, which is basically like a a commerce infrastructure, like a, 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 as a service for creators. Uh, think about like oh, how to sell like uh, candles, like branded candles for creators, yeah. uh, or other types of product or physical products. They're gonna basically go on the creator dashboard, look at the insights, understand what 
type of people are listening or watching the content, what money that they have, what usually they spend, what they want, they're going to just propose a few different products almost automatically, right? Like the, 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 the human element is, is negligible on this. Yeah. Um, then uh, um, help the creator uh, launch. They're going to take care of the production, of the fulfillment, of the support, of the shipping, etc., And basically uh, uh, will act as, you know, a product team. Yeah, e-commerce team for the, for the creator. Even, even more than e-commerce team. It's like the whole process, you know, yeah. from like understanding the analytics to, oh, okay. to support. Hmm. Um, they're going to invent, like an agency would, they're going to invent a new product class for a creator, but they're going to use technology in terms of like understanding the data, making sense of the data. Later on, next thing you know, they can do like a performance marketing sort of like service where they're not going to uh, like help the, the creator, you know, invent the product, but also like market the product to its own audience and to some adjacent audience because they are going to understand lookalike audiences, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it's everything that happened in the, in the, in the, in the next 20 years. And it's like the, the absolute embodiment of that is CapEx moving to OPEX. We don't have CapEx. You, you, don't, you don't buy servers. You rent on AWS. You don't you know, start building like a text infrastructure. You rent your text infrastructure on Twilio.com, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. now on the creator world, it goes so fast and so like intensively that now even the people are moving from CapEx to OPEX because you don't hire uh, an e-commerce manager. You don't hire... A gross manager, you rent a gross manager, yeah. a technical gross manager in those teams. So Pietra for merge, Jelly Smack for for syndication and 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 putting your content on all the other platforms without you having experts on Facebook, experts on Snapchat, experts on TikTok. You know internally as a creator, but just having access to Jelly Smack, and we we are the the best for you to do that, etc. etc. So that's for me the biggest transformation in the creator world is that the creators are like focusing on content, yeah. on understanding that, and basically they can scale an empire beyond that with those new companies catered for their needs. Yeah, so the idea there is that the YouTubers or the creators do what they are best at, which is creating content, generating traffic, and then their other parties help them with, well, the rest basically, uh, from analyzing who, who the demographics are, um, what products that the market or their audience wants to creating the products, the distribution, the marketing. Um, that's, is that the, the V2 that you're talking about? Absolutely. And, and the V2 being absolutely glorious because we're not talking about a world of agencies. We're talking about a world of, of small scalable empires that are really like, like organizing themselves uh, um, on the funnel of the of the creator or like of the life cycle of the creator and so that's why like you know uh, um it, it, that's why it's even more leverageable because you don't need to like think about you know uh working with the agency that is not uh, efficient that cannot scale with you that will have a bottleneck on something at some point you will not be a priority you're 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 talking to those like infrastructure team as a service that are scalable yeah and and so like even and the creator can just juggle also like uh, in between both right so that that's that's sort of like the um, i think one of the the biggest thing and, and and again to go back to the initial point that i was making i think that it will take 10 to 15 years for those uh winners to really be like 
you know, big winners. So like for the Jelly Smack to be global, for the Pietra to be global, for the, you know, Spring to be global, uh, for companies uh, like Maven, for example, that is uh, uh, like a cohorts-based course infrastructure as a service, right, to be global. And when that will happen, any creator that will find their content platform fits, you know, so like a, a YouTube series that work, a TikTok series that work, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that will be good enough to actually structure the content media part of the business to actually ship great content constantly. Yeah. They will like instantly scale. Mm-hmm. They will instantly come from like, oh, I make 100 million views per, 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 per month to like, hey, I'm a fucking business empire because I have access to all of those things. You yeah. know, so in 10 to 15 years, you'll start to see creator valuation that will scale beyond just the creator. Um, thanks to those uh, scalable solutions that offers right now yes. uh, that are offered to the creator. All right, let's talk about Jelly Smack now because that's how I found you. Uh, you want to give a, a quick summary of what Jelly Smack does? So Jelly Smack is, is really simple. We started as being creators ourselves, you know, uh, trying to essentially uh, create outperforming content uh, on video like five, five, six years ago. Um, and by, you know, creating this like outperforming contents on, on niches like beauty, like sports, etc. Uh, we were like, oh, you know what? Like maybe creators could actually use our technology that we use to actually themselves, you know, uh, yeah. uh, outperform. And, and so what we do is, is uh, pretty straightforward. We take the back catalog of, uh, of uh, content creators, for example, on YouTube, you know, says like how like 100, 150 videos. And we're gonna translate those videos from one platform to the other. And when I say translate is that the language used on YouTube in terms of like cuts, edits, thumbnails, etc. you know, what makes YouTube clicks is different to what makes Facebook click, you know, like uh, it's, it's a, it's a feed based algorithm. So it's a different hook. Uh, it's a four or five minutes long uh, video. So it's a different length and edit. It's a different format because it's like a, it's a, it's a square and not like a rectangle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And every, each new platform has its new DNA and its own language. And so what we do is the, really we take the content uh, from, you know, like uh, where the, the, the creator actually emerged and we're scaling that on, on all the different platforms without the creator spending one more minute on it. Yeah. And so that really, you know, first creates like, Im- like immense leverage for the creator because they can not only be successful on YouTube, but also on Snapchat, on, on, on TikTok, on Facebook, et cetera, uh, without like spending more time. But also like that sort of, you know, lift uh, 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 um, like some weight, you know, like for the creators. So they can still focus on something that they're really good at, which is creating content, right? Like they don't have to think about like organizing a team internally to repurpose their content, et cetera, et cetera. They just give it to us. And because we've built uh, a proprietary solution in terms of like a machine to A-B test a shitload of things to, you know, invest some ads that also are A-B testing uh, on different communities. So can, we can really find where online and how that content can really like express its biggest potential by, you know, like multiplying the efforts of, of the creator. So that's, that's really what we do, you know, like translation service as a, as a, as like as a service, you know, almost. Yeah. So you repurpose content for multiple platforms, right? And how does it work? Do creators have to pay for that or you guys 
you guys do for well for free, but then in exchange you uh, you get a revenue share from the AdSense yeah. on the multiple players. Is that is that how it works? No. Yeah, per- we do revenue share. So like, uh, it's a it's a good alignment. It's an alignment, so we have to make the best job. You know, it's an, it's an alignment because if we if we actually suck at that, like we lose money because we yeah. invest the money up front um, in in the capacity, and if it doesn't work, then the creator doesn't have to to uh, to earn uh, to to pay anything. But it's also obviously like a good alignment because like if we make creator go huge, then we make money as well along the way. Yeah. And so when when you see like our creators that we have like uh, like Phil DeFranco and, and so many others, they're creating like in in matter of months like multi-million uh, subscriber audience on Facebook or Snapchat, for example. Yeah. Like, it's a huge asset, asset you know, uh, for them, right? Yeah. And so, we, we, you know, that's that's a good alignment of interest that we have here. How do you know if a creator is a good potential client for, for Jelly We test Mag- it. We test it. Of course, there's a couple of, uh, there's, I would say, like, three main, you know, sort of like, a, you know, uh, points. Like, the first one being, is the content category in which the creator evolves in, is it like uh, big enough or could it become big enough in the next year or so? Um, you know, like that. And, and we have a lot of data because obviously we've gathered like so yeah. many data points along the years that we are, we are able to understand like where a trend is in its life cycle and, and you know, if a creator could actually tap that trend. Uh, second is like, is the creator, like has the creator found their, their fit in a sense like on, on the format, can they ship for like three years constant, uh, mm-hmm. being consistent yeah. because they've understood what works yeah. and because that sort of format that they found doesn't feel like work for them. Obviously, it's always work, right? But what I mean by that is that like, uh, for example, for you, like a podcast interview, you've done it enough that you're like, you know what? I love doing this. It feels like play to me. I can do that for the next five years every week. No I'm, problem. Right? So, yeah. If the creators have found out, it means that in a consistent manner, they will be able to ship content for us to feed the other platform for the next two or three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so it means that either they already have a lot of back catalog or they can actually ship a lot of content regularly in the future. Um, and third, then, it's the tests. We take a few videos. We're going to just test different cuts, different edits, different communities, different paid acquisition campaigns on different platforms. And we're going to see is it, can we reach a delta that is big enough that we know that we can change the creator's life or we don't? And if we don't, we're like, hey, sorry, it just doesn't you know, work for you or, or, or on that specific content, like uh, content, et cetera. But if we does, like if he does, like we're like, bro, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna kill it. <laughs> you know, you're gonna just deco- like, deco- like almost double or triple or quintuple your revenues online uh, through us. And that's, you know, some obviously like a good, selling point so what platforms do you focus on because um i mean you can get monetized on facebook right but what about tiktok isn't that and, and what about snapchat like can you also monetize those platforms or? oh yeah i mean yeah. I, yeah I mean we're probably the same generation so like we we are a bit like you know we have to update ourselves but <laughs> um you know like so a creator can create a show um and and essentially like it's uh it's it's a YouTube video cut in different stories and, and in, in between you have ads oh, and you have a lot of ads. I didn't know like, that. Yeah. I tell you like I've, I'm watching and I'm following a few creators on, on Snapchat like the shows. I mean it's like every four or five not even that stories uh, you have uh, um, uh, an ad and that platform like it, like it's uh, it's programmatic advertisement so you can really 
uh, understand, you know, like the, 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 the different monetization scheme, the, you know, the delta that you will reach in terms of monetization, etc. So that's, that's one of the platforms that I'm the most bullish uh, really? on. Snapchat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because the, the, the retention is incredible. Um, the, the demo, I mean, they've nailed the, the narrative for a certain, uh, like, age group. Uh, and, and it seems that that age group follows Snapchat as they grow old, right? So that if they can really capture uh, systematically that age group and then like have a cohort that follows, it's, they're going to win at least a part of the market. Um, and and then like on 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 Facebook, obviously, like it's it's easy. Like y- you have three billion people using Facebook every day, and half of the time that they spend is on the watch tab. It's huge. Um, and 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 the content marketplace of Facebook right now hasn't reached. Uh, its equilibrium. You can argue that the platform never reached is like uh, the equilibrium because there is a cohort of new young people that are spending all of their time on, on, on YouTube or on the social platforms that is coming constantly. So like there is never an equilibrium. It's still growing fast. But for Facebook, it's even it's even worse. And then like on TikTok, they announced obviously like the, the three minute, um, you know, like sort of like new length. So there's a lot of things you can toy around with in three minutes. Now you can even like uh, you know, like sort of like uh, advance the, the like the video uh, in, in its uh, uh, time. So it's incredible because we're going to basically have two different types of content, short forms, short, yeah. but like uh, reels, etc. And then longer form, YouTube, uh, the TikTok trimming video, uh, Snapchat is going to release something obviously like that, EG, uh, IGTV, etc. And so for us is to become the experts at those two types of content in all the platforms for the creators. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about the accelerator program that you run um, with uh, with Jolly Smack. What kind of creators are you looking for? What kind of creators do you, do you want to invest in and, and do you welcome to your accelerator program? Uh, so basically, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty close to um, to the to the, um, the Jolly Smack filter that I mentioned earlier. Okay, yeah. Uh, but but you know with like a, a sort of like a different uh, you know aspect. So obviously saying like a, a content category that can become big. You know just like you would judge a startup by its uh, like a, a TAM or SAM or like addressable market or whatever, right? Uh, I judge creators by the potential of their content in the market that this content represents. Mm-hmm. Um, second, obviously, is founder-like mentality. I, I really believe that the creators are founders uh, and that we just haven't massively realized that yet. If you talk to Reed, if you talk to a lot of people like that, they're obviously going to tell you like creators are founders and they're going to be right. But this realization hasn't been accepted massively. Uh, and I think it's going to take like maybe five to 10 years. Uh, the analogy that I give usually is that, you know, back in the days uh, in 1995 or something like that, we thought that a great startup founder were, were like, uh, was a great developer because startups are made mm. of code. So the best code people are going to be the best yeah. founders. And we realized, you know, quickly that, no, it's, it, it, they, they, they are not necessarily great coders. They have founder-like, they are retentless, they're determined, like they're almost obsessed and the founders of Airbnb, the founders of Dropbox, the founder of Facebook had different uh, qualities than just being great developers. Mm-hmm. I think that what we're about to realize is that a great creator, a creator that will get like an outsized return, a creator that will last in terms of like a stamina for like 10 to 15 to 20 years, 
uh, will not necessarily the most creative one, but they will be the most entrepreneurial one. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Mr. Beast is, is an embodiment of that. Um, I, 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 I don't judge Mr. Beast as an artist, um, but I judge him as an entrepreneur, or I judge him more as an entrepreneur than that, like that as an artist. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to take those early stage uh, creators that either have the intuition of thinking about them like founders, because they have that mindset, or have already realized it, and want to be surrounded by people who treat them as founders and not just as talents. I hate this world talent because obviously like, you know, they have talent and et cetera, but I don't want to call them that, you know, it's, it's too limiting. And so that's, that's sort of like the second uh, really big aspect is having people who want to eat the world, who want to build empires, even if they're not necessarily going to achieve that dream, they want to be glorious. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to be the place where people want to be glorious uh, as a creator. Yeah, I guess a potential problem as an investor or if you invest in creators is that um, most, let's, let's, you know, just take YouTubers as an example. Most of the time, their, their brand or their business is their, their personal brand, right? If you have a YouTube channel, the only way you can make money is with AdSense. It's, um, you cannot just go and sell the company, right? Because you are the brand. How do you... How, how do you see this? Like, how do you make sure that, how can you sell a company? How can you sell a, a creator company? I mean, that's what VC firms do, right? They buy companies to, at one stage, maybe sell them. How can you sell a, a personal brand? Have you thought about that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, the question is the exit strategy or yeah. the liquidity event. Like, how do you have a total liquidity event so people who invested early can actually do multiples? Yeah. For, for, uh, you, for you guys, but also for the creator himself. Absolutely, you know, mm -hmm. just like, you know, so that, and, and, you know, that's, that's the main uh, question, um, essentially. So, you know, one option uh, would be, and I'm going to talk about like how this could work or not, but like one option is that the creator creates the organization that scales him or her as the first person. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll use that infrastructure mm -hmm. to actually like get other types of creators yeah. to then emerge. So it's just like if, if CNN was founded by its first anchor, and then CNN became like a, a top media that went beyond only one anchor. You can you can think about that like like the bar the, the barstool sports or like the morning brew initially created by one creator and then build the infrastructure to go beyond that, tack tackling a market that is big enough, et cetera, et cetera. And and that's one option, right? So like you can see the bar two sports or the morning brew valuations. They are more than just like two uh, x uh, the yearly revenue. They have some equity aspect to it. And today, when an organization a media organization wants to acquire like an, another type of media organization, they will look at those types of, you know, creator led media mini empires to acquire them. Right. And then you will have an earn, like an earn out, et cetera. And then you can think about that like as a, as a typical uh, equity deal structure and that's fine. Um, but obviously I'm talking to and actually I've, I've been talking to like a, 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 a YouTuber from, from the Netherlands um, that, is doing like a GT, GT5 uh, uh, RP content, which is essentially like playing and doing crazy shit on GTA and then like, you know, creating like a lot of views uh, out of entertainment. And and he tried to actually empower other YouTubers, you know, to become uh, stars based out of his infrastructure and also his distribution mm. in terms of having already subscribers, et cetera. Yeah. What happened is that 
the but like the problem with this is that the, the alignment of interest is really difficult because <laughs> you're gonna cap the, the upside for those new creators and at some point they're gonna be like hey bro I can do this by myself thanks very much for the for the thing yeah. and, and and see you that's what happened with the uh, call me daddy podcast uh, with the barstool sports where like you know what I can have a better deal on Spotify see you when I'm gone right so that's a limit to this model uh, but think about like I mean I'm gonna like how does that creator this GTA five creator is overcoming the the the, the problem. Now, and I, my mind was blown, now is basically creating armies of VTubers. So essentially of like 3D animated YouTubers that obviously will never branch out because it's a fucking, you know, like 3D avatar. And now you can see more and more uh, that trend of YouTubers either going like the anonymous route by just having like a 3D avatar instead of like their own face and like a modified voice, but also of people just creating those avatars, those personalities out of the blue um, to actually like scale wow. both in terms of, you know, uh, uh, you can replace that with someone else, but also of like, you know what, like this thing will never get old. Like this person will never, uh, just like Naruto, right? Like Naruto is infinitely scalable. Mario is infinitely scalable. So. I think we're going to have those creator-led organizations that are going to create media empires that will potentially be human-led on one part, you know, humans and creators that don't want to optimize for glory. So they're like, you know what, I'll rather have a paycheck and security and infrastructure. Uh, so then, you know, uh, I don't want to do it by myself or increasingly like VTubers, part of their infrastructure. Uh, so they can A-B test a lot of things, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's that's one of the ways um, that then you can have those media organizations be acquired by larger ones. And I think we'll increasingly see that uh, in the future. Yeah, that, that sounds really interesting. Just to make sure that I understand this correctly, because I'm sure that also for our listeners, they're listening, they're like, what? Um, so basically two ways to, um, to sell your creator company in the future. First of all is by having a very strong personal brand and using that personal brand as a hub to send traffic to the companies that you are building and mr beast is doing this with mr beast burger for example so mr beast is the personal brand but he sends his traffic to different companies that he's building now mr beast burger finger on the app and a few other projects that, he, that he's working on and then you know eventually when those companies become more mature they can run on its own don't depend on mr beast traffic anymore and then you can sell the company right that, yeah that's no, what i was way. saying is that like in order to, because like for sure, they can scale like different revenue lines and different yeah. businesses, et cetera, and that's, that's awesome. But it's still linked to Mr. Beast. So like the acquisition yeah. strategy is a bit difficult because yeah, if yeah. you acquire service, you acquire him for like a couple of years and then whatever. Like, and, and we haven't found like a solution to that yet, right? Mm. But if Mr. Beast uses that infrastructure, or for sure, the burgers, the finger in the app, et cetera, to then like empower other new creators mm. right? like, as like as like a name like an avenger like if i don't know who's the first avengers by the way but like safe i don't fucking know the avengers uh thor is the first avenger right so thor has his story etc but then thor is going to create hulk or is going to detect hulk and just like give hulk a visibility on his channel on, on the infrastructure on the business ah, et cetera, et that's what i mean yeah so i mean like if just like if cnn was created founded by the first anchor but then CNN went ah, beyond yeah, okay. the anchor and then like had like an infrastructure for all the different anchors to have different shows, etc., brand deals, all of those things, right? So I really feel that's that you can have like a creator label that is basically funded, like founded by a single creator. Ah, that's so then scale beyond that. 
and because like the alignment of interest is tricky yeah uh, yeah work, yeah yeah and it will increasingly work because like the the creators that be like oh you know what like thank you mr beast but now i'm just gonna do it you know yeah. on my own but i get 100 of the revenue etc cetera, etc cetera. um the youtubers are thinking about like replacing or like mitigating those talent that they will sign in their label per se right but like in, in their media yeah. empire yeah with VTubers, with digital ones, because they will be way better, oh, right? So it's like CNN says, like, oh, you know what? Like, and I don't know, like, American shows, but like, or like the the TV channel that does, like, Jimmy Fallon. They're like, hey, Jimmy, that's cool, everything, but like, are you gonna stay there for like twenty years? You're gonna get all like, so they're gonna replace like Jimmy Fallon with like a, a digital avatar with a voice that can be replicated by everyone, with like uh, writers that are gonna write the scripts, so like this thing can really continuously evolve like a TV show would, and Cal can outlive. The, the, the limitation of a human, but also like the, the, the different uh, ambition that a human can have, right? Be yeah. like, oh, I want to spin out. And that's fucking fascinating. Like it's, and that's going to happen. Big fucking time. So the future of vlogging is, is AI, AI vloggers or like deep fakes. Is, is that what you mean? I mean, if you can think about that, like, and that's more like a philosophical standpoint, but like what, what is happening on, on, on Instagram and on TikTok right now, like it's almost like VTubers, right? Like, cause like do, you have those girls or those guys that are like so edited, right? <laughs> that they, they are like almost like a digital avatar. Like mm -hmm. you can see the filters right now. You have like a, and that's that's a bit like a scary thing, but like you have a, a woman that that is like maybe like 40 or 50 years old that has found this amazing filter that makes her look like a, a teenager, right? And so like she looks like a teenager on all TikTok and Instagram content. So you can think that we're always we're already going from like you know a real person to like almost like a digital representation that is different, uh, and I think that it's just like the the, the acceleration of that uh, for a lot of different reasons anonymity, replaceability, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think this will play uh, and, and again and, and I stop on that because I talk too much. But think about like the content that performs the best on YouTube right now. Think about the YouTube channels that are making the most money right now. They are not Mr. Beast. They are not PewDiePie. They are kids' channel. Kids' channels just on AdSense are making 100 million per year. Yeah. Why? Because kids on the cohort of that age, there's like 90% of them are watching like everyday uh, YouTube shows, right? And so they've created essentially fake influencers because you have like recurring uh, characters, et cetera, et cetera, like you would do it like on a, on a cartoon because it's so, like, the costs are so low, but the upside is so big that they're massively doing it. Think yeah. about those kids growing up. Think about like this cohort with like the amazing uh, penetration rate of of YouTube. Think about that cohort. Like that's going and aging. They're just gonna change everything that we thought was real in terms of like media consumption, in terms of like uh, uh, e-commerce consumption, in terms of education consumption. Because, and I stop on that. But the first thing that the parents say about like those YouTube channels for kids is one: yes, they're better entertained but the second thing they say the most you know as like polls is like they learn stuff from that yeah so to your point of like the educational content we're just gonna get smashed with punches and uppercuts every fucking five years by that generation growing up and, and entering the media market yeah because that generation wants to learn in a, in a different way or they're used to learning from well, for example those, those YouTube channels with like virtual characters? Because they've started parasocial relationships since they're five. Parasocial relationship is the relationship that you have with the YouTubers where you feel like he's your friend, but like he yeah. doesn't fuck 
for you, right? Yeah. But you understand that, you feel like uh, you know that person better than most of your friends, etc. And so the, paras- the parasocial relationship, which is, which is essentially a fancy term to say like uh, creators are scalable friends, creators are friends that scale, yeah. um, it's going to be the new norm of your uh, friend mix. You know, mm-hmm. you're still going to have real friends, but maybe 30% of your friends are going to be like those creators. Yeah. So think about like how, you know, and, and you can go into like deeper conversation about like the decline of religion is going to be like an amazingly uh, emptiness that that creator led world can feel. And should, should it feel it? Will it feel it? That's another discussion. But like there is going to be like an air gap. And, and I think that that cohort of kids are the ones that are going to pioneer uh, uh, having like parasocial relationship and uh, like as like a core uh, part of their identity, and it will change everything like how they learn, how they trust, how they spend money, how they belong, and so on and so forth. And so yeah. you know that's that's the big like the big fucking thing. That's yeah, that, that that's really interesting, and that's already happening, right? And that's also what Reed Doctor said in the interview that I did with him. He said like. When I was young, I wanted to go to McDonald's. But what we're seeing now is that, you know, people are not watching basketball anymore. Instead, they're watching Dude Perfect on, on YouTube, right? Those are the people they trust. Those are the people they buy from and, and listen to. And the same thing is happening with Mr. Beast Burger. People used to go to McDonald's, but, you know, why not order? If they want a burger, then why not order a burger from Mr. Beast? He is he's the hey, friend. He's the person that everybody trusts, uh, that that generation trusts. And, um, yeah, let's see what happens in... In 20 years from now, when I have two young kids, I mean, and and they watch those channels that you were talking about. Sorry. We are lonely as fuck. Yeah. Like the the internet age, for the better or the worse, internet age has destroyed all the social institutions that we built our society upon. Religion, state, family, etc., etc. You know, to to sort of like divide all the, the, the structures and reduce it as, as, as like the individual as the uh, um, uh, atomic unit, right? So we cannot divide the individual. So that's the core thing that we have right now. But then the individual doesn't belong to anything, doesn't have, you know, much, right? And so hence the, the, the rise of, of the politic uh, extremism because they need like a new region, etc. I hope and I believe that the creators will create less toxic belonging structures that would make the people uh, 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 belong temporarily, right? For five to 10 to a certain creator, for 10 to 15, etc. But like to those more like friend-like uh, creators, right? So think about like, and I stop on that, but like think about like the, the burgers, Mr. Beast Burger. For sure, you can buy Mr. Beast Burger because you love Mr. Beast and you want to feel like that. But think about like if you buy Mr. Beast Burger and when you buy it, you have access to like a temporal discord channel for the night where you can f- f- play with other people who have ordered mr beast burger at this like in the same night then it's not only like a story that you tell yourself but it's also a social link it's the new church it's the new like uh, yeah. uh belief structure uh, again whether you think it's good or bad you know it, i'm not arguing uh, about that i'm starving that it will happen and that's how the pyramid just basically shifts. Yeah, this is interesting you mentioned that because we work with a lot of people in online language education and we see that many reasons people join you know, a German course is not necessarily because of the content and the things they're going to learn, but more about the community 
that the curator is yeah. offering, right? If you join the course, you also get access to the community with other German learners from all over the world. And uh, yeah, I think it's important to mention that. I Just before we did this interview, I went through your, um, I scanned your, your Twitter account and I found an article that you shared, you know, that showed, it did research and it showed that people are much more lonely now than 20 years ago when it came with, with, with all these uh, yeah. graphs. And the creators, as you said in that, in the in the post are on the forefront of that um absolutely i guess that, and that's yeah. that's, what, that's how you can think about the, the economic opportunity to go back to really like a concrete terms yeah. uh they're, they're not just disrupting the media world they're entering the market of loneliness and the market of loneliness however you monetize that you know uh, loneliness uh is going to be a huge it's we're not talking about billions we're gonna we're talking about trillions yeah and again like i think we have a bigger question to ask ourselves as a society as a whole um but like if you go in 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 south korea most and before pandemic right i'm not talking about pandemic but before pandemic most of the students were eating and having lunch with their, with their favorite uh, creator uh on twitch or just watching a video catching up on what happened before etc etc so again like you know that's that that just touches a point that in terms of opportunity is bigger, but also in terms of, of problems to be solved is bigger. I hope and I really hope that creators are going to hook the people online because that's the easiest, most scalable way to do, to then bring them offline and create and create yeah. like creator-led communities, which obviously will, some of them, go on the verge of being a cult, which needs to be regulated <laughs> at some point, right? Because, you know having like a leader that creates a community on, on a sort of like belief system and with like uh, rituals and myth because it's what human wants. Uh, and so that's what we will human go with. Like that's what creators will provide at some point naturally. Then we go to another discussion, but I, I really think that, yeah, like that, that's, that's the big opportunity here. Yeah. Well, I like that you're saying that because we are actually doing something very similar, right? I mean, you, you, you do these uh, podcast interviews, those hangouts on Clubhouse. You are creating a community. We are doing the same thing. We are also doing a podcast recording now. We host these online inner circle meetings with other people in a community. And uh, we, yeah, we also, especially now that the pandemic is almost over, hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully in the future we'll be also be able to do more live events because we also yeah. see that need, you know, working with influencers, with creators, we see that need, including myself, like, you know, I'm, I do everything behind my computer. I love to, to meet up with other people physically, you know, in person. And the same thing goes for, for other creators. So yeah, there is a big opportunity there. And we have already yeah. seen that. I hope that everything is going to work out as you said, but also for the creators themselves. I mean, they have huge communities, right? So why not organize the Mr. Beast Summit or, <laughs> you know, endless yeah, opportunities that, that, there, I guess. That's where it goes, right? Like then you, you can think about it, like Scientology and all those things, right? Like like everything that you think about, like a place where like there is only Mr. Beast fans and Mr. Beast coming and be like, hey, what's up? For sure, it could be a concert and everything. But like <laughs> yeah. people have been like deprived by so many things that they used to feed their soul with yeah that they're going to be so hungry for belonging that there is like a danger that we need to like sort of balance right that they will just take all of that need uh, in the creators uh just like they they put all of their needs on the artists etc etc but you know just like chill just like have your social circle etc and then have your 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 digital friends as well yeah. but but like balance 
balance everything. Um, so here at Creator Smarts, we focus on online education. What are some of the latest trends that you have spotted in online education? Is there something that you pay attention to that you can just mention now off the top of your head? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's two different uh, type of content. It's a self-serve online video that looks like a MOOC, right? So you can productize it um, and then basically like uh, your, you know, you can be like a, a uh, Ali Abdal that, that, that basically like uh, started with a, um, a cohort-based class and then moved on to like a more like a typical video class. Um, and that's really like the, the two types of, of educational content. Do you replace the university as like with the cohort, the, the teachers, the community, mm. the, the, the stamp, etc., or you just do premium content uh, behind a paywall yeah. that people actually think they're going to be learning from, but actually they're just going to feel entertained and learn maybe a little bit, right? So there, it's like those two things. And on those two things, you have different uh, players, uh, you have different uh, approach, perspective, etc. And really, like the, the types of company that I see, you have you have companies like like NAS Academy. Uh, by the way, like NAS is an amazing uh, creator and an amazing entrepreneur, and and basically is built its his community on discovering new cultures, new skill, new perspective, and basically like learning, right? Like constantly learning. Yeah. Uh, NAS Daily. That, We're talking about NAS, NAS Daily, Daily, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And and now like he's created NAS Academy, which essentially is a cohort-based class infrastructure for on one side big creators um, to teach without spending too much time, right? Their community a certain skill. So think about like I don't know, like if if uh, you know classic thing like a uh, Manny Pacquiao would just you know one of the largest uh, boxer in, in the Philippines would just teach. Uh, like a boxing class, yeah. but not just like you watch video, but there is like a cohort. So like uh, NASA Academy would provide yeah. obviously like the, the technical platform to organize that, but also like the teachers to follow the students along the way. So it's not just something you consume, it's an experience you go through. And I think that those are like the two big big trends in, in the education more than everything. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, as you mentioned, that's kind of similar to what Masterclass is doing. You know, Masterclass, it, it's, yeah, but then for... Oh, so it's basically the master, the master class for for creators. By creators, yeah. By creators oh, by creators. For, yeah, by creators. So like, just like you know, uh, uh, all the all the. But like, no, because master class is uh, is just like a um, like a video lesson. There's not like a mm, cohort I aspect see. to yeah. it, right? Um, where where like companies like NASA Academy or, or Maven, I think it's Maven.com. Um, they're creating the infrastructure so you can have an a university team as a service as a creator, right? Yeah. So not only the platform like Podia or Teachable, where you can host your 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 yeah. course, etc., but like just the whole team that will just help. And at the end, you know, as a creator, you will just show up. I mean, not just, but like you will batch the feedback that you will get to the people, right? So you'll show up like two hours on 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 Monday and be like, recall all of those videos perfectly with like a an interface, mm. like, hey, amazing, hey, John, super cool, hey, keep it going, blah blah. And then like at the end of the thing, you will maybe like uh, same show up like for a couple of hours with everyone for like this, like the, the ceremony, like the graduation, and you'll be like, hey, what's up, it's really cool guys and everything. And so you don't have to just create like a whole university for yourself. You can just bring the value in terms of like the storytelling, the, the belonging, and at the beginning, you know, the, the curriculum that you design with the team, but you don't have to do much. Yeah. And that's, again, catered to the needs of a creator. We are like, I don't have time. 
yeah. you know, I'm, I'm highly scalable, but I don't have so much time. So I need to like, uh, yeah, have access to those services. So there might be an opportunity there for companies to actually go to creators in online education and offer um, services like basically adding a life element to the courses that they already have, right? So maybe they need help with accountability of the students, giving feedback on their work, um, organizing live streams, um, yeah, those kind of things. Absolutely. Things that make it more well, interactive and, and... On the other way around as well, right? So like, obviously you can say like, oh, like transform your class into like a core-based class. Uh, transform your MOOC into a core-based class so you can have like a higher price point, you can have like a higher community uh, engagement, et cetera, et cetera. But you can also go and, and, and say the, to the creators, like start with like a cohort-based class, six weeks program, and then discover the best scalable educational product that you can be spinning out of this without the community aspect to it. Because I think that cohort-based class for creators are like the best way to discover secrets about how they can actually leverage their brand for like an educational scalable product, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. When you and, say, and I think that's, that's increasing. When you say cohort, you mean like an online program that they run themselves with a fixed begin and, and end date? No, like, you know, like on deck, for example. So like, not only you have a program uh, that is educational because you're getting lessons, but also like you have a community around you that like helps each other. Um, yeah. and, and, and it's a way more dynamic thing. So like the, yeah. the classes are not pre-recorded. You have workshop. It's yeah. just like university on the cloud. It's like university that is shorter in terms of span for sure of, of like length. It's like six weeks to 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, but it's a university online. So they replicate everything, you know, like uh, connecting with other, uh, connecting with teachers, connecting with mentors, connecting with peers, uh, building like uh, accountability because, you know, you have somebody you have to do something with, et cetera, et cetera. Where like uh, MOOC is just like you're just yourself in front of your computer, like getting the lessons, maybe doing some exercise and that's it. Mm -hmm. All right. I have a, a few more questions here. You're quite a big question. Uh, in fact, you wrote an entire article on it. We talk about building empires, right? What is the process like? How do we build, how do we go from audience to an empire? What are some of the, the steps? So yes, I wrote the article about like the career life cycle and it's basically like for, for me a way to structure um, the different um, part of the, of the creator business and, and to really use the creator audience relationship and the way that it evolves to, to sort of like organize it. So the, the way that I structure it is that a creator um, goes from gathering attention yeah. on media platforms, transforming that attention, namely views, into trust with some member of their community that will be way more engaged. And trust means that essentially you're getting the SMS or the email or, or like you get those yeah. people in like a private... In your community. ecosystem. In your ecosystem, you know, and the, the, the analogy that I use is that um, because creators are scalable friends, let's just use non-scalable friends as an example, right? So you are going, you're invited to a lot of parties. In parties, you make people laugh, you certain people click with you. At some point, it's time to take the numbers uh, of those person to invite yeah. them to your own parties. The yes. same, the creators are using YouTube, TikTok, Facebook as huge party throwers so they can find the people that resonate with their personality at scale, millions of views. And then the goal is to bring that attention that they gather on those platform and transform them into like own, you know, like a relationship that they own at their own parties. So they can uh, host like, you know, a private live stream, et cetera, et cetera. But then the third step, once you have someone's attention that you transform into trust, 
is to sell something, is to have like a commerce relationship. And so for that, you have obviously two different ways. You can do online product and sell them. You can do offline product and sell them. And for all of those commerce verticals, courses, uh, restaurants now, um, game uh, environment, et cetera, et cetera, like you have a lot of companies that we talked about earlier on that are acting as a commerce infrastructure as a service vertical for the creators. So they can, instead of having a big number of people that they are reliable, like they, they, they have to hire, et cetera, they have access to those teams. But then for me, the latest step in the creator lifecycle after attention, trust, and commerce is the most engaging sort of like act that an audience can do for a creator, which is invest in the creator, or more importantly, to ride the, the financial upside of a creator. And so to me, you know, it starts with like crypto right now, because a lot of people, if they are like the most engaged fans, they want to buy the NFT, right? Which means that they have an ownership relationship with the creator as the creator will be more successful. They will be more rich or, or, or have something of the upside. But then there's a lot of things, right? There's like uh, social tokens. You can think about uh, new incentive structures um, that are being pioneered where the, the audience can be like a, a, a stakeholder uh, at the legal and, uh, level uh, of a creator organization, et cetera, et cetera. And so why I decided to like restructure that in four steps is that I think that at, at each step of the way, one, there are some tools that creators can use and they need to use the right ones. Two, there are some processes that creators need to put in place so then they can really lock a, a certain uh, layer to go to the next one and, and strategically progress. And three, obviously, uh, th there, are, there, are, there are people uh, to, be, to be hired uh, at that level, right? So tools, people, and, and processes. And I think that right now we are in the creator economy uh, at the attention level and we're moving towards the trust level in terms of like sophistication of, of, of structuration of process tools and, and people, right? So right now the creators more, it's not there yet, but like some creators have understood the first key hire, yeah. the first tools, the first processes that yeah. they need to put in place at the attention level to ship constantly great content, uh, great content strategies, great uh, channel managers, great retention analysis, et cetera, et cetera. And this uh, knowledge is being surfaced right now. Not enough, but it's being surfaced. So if you call the right person, they will tell you, like, don't do this, hire that, don't put that process in place, et cetera. Now I think we need to go to the trust phase, which is akin to the CRM phase of like a startup or a company where creators will need to put in place processes so they really strategically uh, pour the audience and bring them into their CRM, into their right? World, into the CRM, so, so we can think about email marketing, for example. Exactly. So they will need to have like an email marketing person or like a CRM person. They will. That's why they, they, the rage is going right now at the linking bio level because it's the it's the, the the border between the attention and the trust. Yeah. And so creators are increasingly realizing that they need to strategically think about that to have the best linking bio to redirect to places that they really like. And, and basically, like soon they'll get like, yeah, they'll, they'll be good at email retention strategies, et cetera, et cetera. So then they can structure their community in buckets that they, then they can leverage, right? So like, who do I have in, in, in I don't know, like in France or in, in like uh, from that age group, who opens my email, who opens my SMS, who's the most engaged, et cetera, et cetera. And that obviously, you know that better than anyone. But once you have that information that you own, then commerce 
is a is a walk in the park because you yeah. can absolutely know who wants to buy things for you because you've already tested etc cetera, etc cetera. so i think that's sort of like yeah. the, the life cycle of a creator and that's still the beginning you know like mm. we we haven't scratched the surface almost yeah so just for our audience to show how the what this looks like in in uh, typically in online education right so we start with attention this is like for example your your youtube videos people see your videos you're getting attention then they sign up for your mailing list and that's where you create a more intimate relationship with them where you you educate them over email you entertain even more um they, you, you, of course you you give even more value so that's how you build the trust and then you need to sell something so most typical case they buy your your German course whatever language that you're teaching or whatever skill that you're teaching and then the highest level and I guess that most creators haven't come to this level yet is you know but is you could for example sell uh, NFTs right so for the people who don't know what the NFTs are um, they could, for example, invest in a. They could buy the intellectual property of a digital photo that you have. Um, <coughs> if you haven't heard about NFTs yet, then maybe look it up. Absolutely, that. And maybe another analogy here, you know, a dating analogy. So you want to date a pretty, a pretty girl or, or boy, <laughs> or man. So first you need to get their attention, right? You need to say hello. They look at you. You start a conversation. You got their attention. Now you can invite them to come to your home. That's why you build a trust. Then you're going to have sex with them if you like them, ideally, right? So that's how you sell yourself. And then the highest level is that you they invest in you. So they marry you, right? So it's Basically, actually... They become family. They become, they become family, yeah. Family. And stranger to family, whether it's a friend, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a... It's a community member. It's exactly like that. And, and you know, like, and that's what I say in the article, uh, why I think that investing is, is the latest sort of like stage is because, you know, that that's what happened with family. Like when you start a business, like your uncle is going to be like, hey, man, I'm like, hey, like, kid, I'm going to chip, you know, I'm going to chip in. Right. And so because they, they just have like the, this non-rational relationship with you and, and they just want to they just want to be part of your success. You know, like it's one of the. One of the saddest thing, uh, obviously, is, is to never find success. But one thing that is even sadder than this is to be successful alone, right? And so I think that that this uh, this uh, this end of like the the, the the cycle, like the ownership thing, is uh, is exactly like that. And I think that you know one of the things that differs from uh, typical YouTubers, and I don't know what typical YouTuber means, but you know, like sort of like uh, those uh, famous YouTubers and education entrepreneur, is that. The, um, for YouTubers, they still today make way more money with brand deals because their top of funnel is so wide yeah. that they still have an incentive to just say, oh, okay, I'll do brand deals, fuck the SMS, yeah. fuck the, the email newsletter, fuck the yeah, trust, yeah, fuck yeah, the yeah, commerce. Yeah. Like, that's not worth it. Where, like, the, the educational uh, instructors or, or creators, like, the, the, the basket size is so high, yeah. the repeats can be so yeah, high on yeah. the commerce layer. They, they speed things up for that moment particularly. But I yeah. think this is just like a, a glitch in history. And at some point, creators are going to make, make way more money uh, with the rest because it's going to be made so easy for them to run with the yeah. companies we're talking about. They'll be like, you know what? Fuck that. I, I, yeah. Strategy now is just you go to commerce. Yeah, and that's the benefit for everybody who has an audience um, or who is in online education, right? Because you're solving problems. You can sell expensive courses. So, you know, we work with many creators who say sponsorships, you know, pff, I don't do any sponsorships anymore. They pay sure. me peanuts. I'd rather, exactly. uh, rather sell my own products. But I guess it's going to take some time for 
uh, for creators in other niches to build a backend that is as strong as for people who are, for example, in exactly. online education. But many of those guys have huge, huge audiences, so the dynamics of the business are a bit different. They can also, um, it's maybe easier for them to monetize that channel through AdSense because they and sponsorship because they have such a big audience compared to more niche channels in online education, uh, for Absolutely. example. Um, okay, can everybody build an empire? Because you know, everybody, you know, if you, are, if you ask the young kids what they want to become, they all want to become a creator, a YouTuber, a TikToker. Is there a place for everybody or is it a bit like in the music industry where there can only be like a hundred stars, sure. celebrities and, and the rest, you know, they're all like the, the dying, the starving artists? Absolutely. So three things. First, um, everybody's online um, and everybody wants weird content now. When I say weird content, is that they want content catered for their absolute, you know, specific needs. And I think, you know, like what happened to porn is going to happen to the content world and the business world in general, right? So, like 20 years ago, like you can have whatever video uh, that is porn, people will download it and they will be super happy with it. And now, like, you know, porn is like this super small niche, you know, like a ecosystem where people are just like refining what they like as the new content. Uh, as they are exposed to new form of content, um, and so I think that that's going to happen. Like uh, twenty years ago, like uh, BDSM or, or whatever, like porn niche was really like super small. Now everything is niches. There's no more like general porn, right? Like in the data that Pornhub provides. So I think that's a, that's a good uh, sign of what will happen. Where uh, ASMR was a niche ten years ago. Now it's an empire. And ten years ago, if you would have told me like, "Hey, man, ASMR is going to be like the leading audio uh, sort of," I mean, I no fucking way. That's going to be only for people that like that, but they're not a lot. Um, and and I think that uh, this will uh, rebalance the the sort of like winner takes all yeah. effects, yeah. where in the media world before and in the YouTube world will be today. You still have a few big winners, uh, and that's it, right? I think we're going to have a, a lot of small winners. Will they make uh, a middle class? I don't know, but I think we're going into that direction. Um, second, second, why it could happen is that uh, again, like the kids that I was telling you, like you know about, like they're 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 spending like I don't know, like a few hours per day watching YouTube content. Uh, again, that cohort will just arrive like a tsunami on, on, on the media world. And so the marketplace is going to be filled up with hours and hours of attention that was not yet there yet. So like the number of niches and the number of monetization will go through the roof. So instead of having like, uh, uh, you know, like one or two or 10 or 15 YouTubers on, on per niche that are successful, maybe you can have a hundred per niches and the niches can be like multiplied like a thousand X. So you do the, the calculation, like way more people can actually uh, become YouTubers. And, and the third thing I would say, uh, is that like uh, not everybody will become a creator, not everyone will become a creator, but but anyone can. And what I mean by that is that anyone can try. And and that's first that's something to celebrate because that I love it. Uh, the fact that there is no barrier to entry, um, and that the, the limits are just your own motivation and talent and and individuality, etc. Um, but second, I think that most of them most of the people should try to become creator because becoming a great creator means becoming a better storyteller and means learning a shitload of things and how to do things yourself and how to uh, put your finger out of your ass it's also good personal branding i guess sure even if nobody exactly watches why. exactly and that's exactly why i think everybody should even if nobody like if 
not everyone will become a creator. Everybody should try because you will then become a better employee, a become investor, a become husband, become a storyteller, a become everything, right? And and that's that's one of the things that I want to celebrate. Like, of course, uh, not everyone will become a creator, but anyone can, and, and everyone should try. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's sort of like the, the message. All right. Who are the most sophisticated creators in 2021? Who do you follow? I mean, I follow a lot of creators. Like, there is the creators that I admire, like 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 Mr. Beast, like Mass Daily, uh, you know, like that, like like people like Eric, you know, that that they're so intense. They're they're so uh, obsessed right that that like for me that's the people that i like to surround myself with just because i'm not like that but i but i like to to just like uh talk with those people um and and then there's the there are the youtubers that i that i watch intensively and they're not the same right like i watch weird youtubers on on, on specific video games etc um but i but i think that you know what what mr beast uh, is, is doing right now is just pioneering uh, everything uh, in terms of yeah. uh, of, uh, of empire building, yeah. and so you know that's something super random. To, I mean, super sort of like a random to say. You know, like everybody's saying the same thing. Like, just look at what Mr. Beast is doing, and hopefully, will not be the only one to do it at that scale uh, and, and like soon. And 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 think that the next generation of people that are like educated with Mr. Beast will naturally think like him. Yeah. It will be normal to have such a high level of ambition. Yeah. And when those barbarians are coming at the gate of the media and the commerce institutions, like watch what's watch what's gonna happen. It's gonna be bloody. You cannot control anything. You've and when I say you, it's like technology has given individuals infinite leverage with code and media. This will get bloody. This will get messy. This will get chaos-like. I don't know what will end up you know, like uh, emerging out of that. But I know that it's going to be something new and I know it's unstoppable. And that's why I, I, I ride the wave. In, in 10 years from now, we're going to listen back to this interview and we're going to say, here's what Hugo said. And then hopefully it turns out that you're going to be right. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm th- well, thankfully, I'm not the only one to say that. Yeah. Um, by the way, like if, if you follow me on Twitter and you go like at Hugo Amsterdam and if you go on the, on the, on the list that I created, you can see like a creator economy list on Twitter, and like, you can follow a bunch of people who are like thinking alike. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I, I may, I'm, I'm probably going to be wrong on a lot of things, but I think that the ultimate underlying trend is not something that I that is an opinion, is just like a fucking you know like a, a, it's obvious. So the last question then, which is kind of an extension of, of this question, what are we going to see in the next ten years? Oh, you know, that's, yeah, like, so we're going to see two things. We're going to see like a shitload of things that I cannot predict because I'm, I'm you know, I don't have that luck to be an oracle. But um, essentially, we're going to see two things that are going to have, that, that are going to be like uh, uh, fat tail events with like super high magnitude of impact, right? One, we're going to see the first billion dollar creator, right? Like the creator that for whatever reason is going to be valued at some point like a billion dollar. And this will have everybody shift their mind be like, okay, that's like, that's the new gold rush. And so increasingly like that kind of stories, that kind of like break, breakout point will bring a lot of talents in the ecosystem and will bring a lot of money in the ecosystem. That's the, the two main yeah. ingredients that you need yeah. in an ecosystem to make yeah. it big. Yeah. Talent, capital, and rebellion. But the rebellion, we already have it, you know, because the, the creators are inherently rebellious. 
the, the, the second thing that will happen, and I think that will have a bigger impact, good or bad, in the creator world, is that a creator or creators are going to be responsible for a change in the elections. Um, it's, it's been known for a long time that media plays a huge central role in the elections, in the narrative, etc. Now this narrative is incontrollable. You cannot control the narrative because those singular individuals can create stories that will scale to millions of citizens that yeah. will then influence their vote. I think that's a personal opinion and, and, and sort of like a bet that the first election that will drastically be changed uh, will be the next uh, French election next year. Yeah. Uh, you started to see it. Uh, it's, it's a big impact on, on, the, uh, on, the extreme, uh, on the right and the extreme right, where the YouTubers are crushing the other side. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that that's when that happened and when that's theorized, just like the spring, like the Arab spring, but like in a, yeah. in a YouTube version, I think this will just change the, the, the world. So, of the-, so the next president could be uh, a YouTuber? Or no, a- I don't think so. I, I, maybe in, t- in 10 years or 20 years. But I think the next president will owe its uh, election or non-election to the way that the, the YouTube the, the, the influencers and exactly, talk about them. The creator crowd, exactly. Yeah. It's also a bit what, what Trump did, right, with his Twitter. He didn't have a big following on Twitter. Um, yeah, but it's himself. It, yeah. That's the difference. It's himself that was a creator per yeah. se like it's just he has an audience but i don't call him a creator because the, the audience that he had was permission he needed the permission from someone to mm. get access to the audience i'm talking to how permissionless yeah. creators that don't need the permission have created audiences that then will change the result of an election for a typical candidate yeah. maybe in 20 years we'll have like a creator that would like you know say you know what i'll run for president but before that we'll have like a that thing yeah so then here's my tip for everybody who wants to become president um start networking with creators i think so i think that uh, creators and you've seen it like in france like, like a couple of months ago uh, the, the 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 president like uh, emmanuel macron yeah. actually invited a couple of uh, creators youtubers <laughs> yeah in the elysee which is the the department like the, the yeah like his house essentially to actually like run like a, a program like just record a video with them like a funny <laughs> video like a non-presidential tradition like it's not about politics it's about like funny anecdotes yeah uh i think that's that's just like the, the way and i think that of course citizens can be scared because you don't know what's going to happen but they should ultimately rejoice who should be scared is obviously the, the traditional media like they're literally gonna get smashed in the face where their influence is going to get eaten away speed like like quickly by by those uh, by those like uh, infinite number of uh, of potential TV hosts on YouTube channels that can just like take over their the attention that they had. Yeah, well, exciting times. As long as you're on the right side of the curve, I guess on the right <laughs> side of the. <laughs> All right, Hugo. Thank you so much for for joining us today. Um, one hour and twenty minutes. This must have been yeah could. Could be one of the longest uh, interviews I've ever done, but it was a very productive interview. Talked about lots of different topics. Um, thank you so much. If people want to learn more about you and what you do, then how can they follow you? Well, first, thank you very much for having me. It was an amazing conversation. I look uh, forward to have others with you offline or non-recorded ones. And if you want to follow me, like just go on Twitter dot com and type Hugo Amsalem A M S E W L E M, and more importantly, like you can. Go on armthecreators.com, arm, like just arming the creator, armthecreators.com and, and like, you know, have a 
discussion with me by reading my articles and potentially disagreeing with me. And in this case, please DM me. All right, we're going to check it out. Thank you so much. All right, thanks for listening to this episode. And if you like this episode, then please give it a positive rating in whatever podcast app that you're using. And if you want to listen to other interviews or just learn more about what we do, then make sure to go to our website, creatorsmart.com. See you on the next episode. Ciao.